church. If you haven't met me, please come say hi after service. Uh, I'd love to meet you. Uh, but yeah, we, are, we have three weeks left in this series called On Mission. And uh, we have been, we started last week talking about how scripture promises that the spirit will be with us as we are on mission. God is with us. And this is a partnership. This is not something that God just says, you know what, forget you. I'm going to do this on my own. And this is not something that we do on our own, and God just said, enjoy yourself, tell me how it goes. No, it is a partnership that we have with God in the same mission to find the lost sheep, knowing his heart, right? The very first message that we talked about, to disciple people, to receive God and be baptized. And so today, what we are talking about is, when we talk about going with God, a lot of times we don't talk about the hardship that comes with that. And so we're going to be talking about persecution while being on mission. It's a very important topic uh, because it can be very easy to think if, if you know, it, it seems logical. If God is in this, then everything will go perfect. That is not the case. And we're going to see that Jesus knows that is not the case and why that is not the case. So we're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 10. I'm going to read our passage from verses 16 to 33. Then we'll jump in uh, to kind of unpacking what Jesus is telling the 12 apostles. But, so to give you some context into what we're about to read, Jesus is sending out his 12 disciples and really at this point commissioning them as apostles. And he says that he wants them to go preach the good news to all the different towns. He sends them out. Two by two. But as he sends them out, before they go, he has this message for them that we're about to read uh, of what is going to happen when they share the good news. So he's commissioning them, and in his commission, he gives them a warning. And that warning is what we're going to read today. Matthew chapter 10, verse 16 to 33. You can read along with me on the screens. Jesus says, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee the next, for truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. 
It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will deny before my Father who is in heaven. This is a powerful, powerful passage. Jesus is commissioning to the 12 apostles. You are going to go out, and as you go out, let me tell you about what is going to talk about a motivational speech, right? They're about to, it's game time. They're about to go in. They're about to practice what they've been training, what, what has been practiced for. They're going in, and Jesus has, you know, the speech right before the war. You, you put up your swords. Everybody's motivated to go and do it. And this is Jesus' motivational speech. You are going to get persecuted. People are going to hate you. They mocked me. Imagine how much they're going to mock you. They, they did these things to me. Guess what's going to happen to you, right? What a speech. But we're going to start in the beginning. In the very beginning, verse 16, Jesus says, I am sending. The first thing that we have to understand is who is sending us. And this is why this is a, this is a true motivational speech. Because Jesus is saying, I am sending you. You are not going out on your own accord. You are not going to do this on your own. But I am sending you to do this. This is a mission from God himself. To do this. And that, that verb sending, that, that the grammar of the Greek there is a continual mission, meaning this is not something that is just happening in this moment, but Jesus is saying, You are being sent to do this. This is something that is ongoing, this mission that I am sending you to take part of and to do. It is a continual sent that the 12 apostles are being sent to do and his disciples. You know, too often as the church, we believe that the church exists for us. That is, that is our goal. We have a very linear mindset of the church that we come to know Jesus or maybe we have just grew up in church and we think of church as more of a Sunday gathering and uh, the, the kind of pinnacle of our Christianity may be things like what we had last night, a worship night. Where this is what we look forward to as the most celebrated time as Christians. As the, the, most, the, the time where this is the climax of my Christianity. Growing up, the climax of my Christianity was worship and prayer night. It, what, this was what we celebrated the most. But as you read scripture, you realize that the church does not exist for itself. It exists for others, and the climax of celebration is not a worship night, is not a Sunday service, but it is the celebration of people being on mission and seeing others come to know Jesus. If that is not the climax, 
of our celebration in the church, then we are missing what it means to be the church. We have talked about celebration over and over and over again. And Jesus reaffirms, I am sending you. You do not exist as a social club. You do not exist as a click unto yourself. You do not exist for yourself, but you are being sent out into the world. If our following of Jesus does not include being sent by Jesus, then I would argue that we are not truly following Jesus. But how does he send us? When he says, when we realize we are sent and we understand what it means to be sent by him, what does he say? He says, you are being sent as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpent and innocent as doves. This is his promise of persecution. It begins here and the list goes on. He is not sending them somewhere safe. All right, thanks God, appreciate it, yeah. He says, I am sent, if you know anything about shepherds, I mean, I feel like we've all watched enough movies to know that wolf and sheep don't go well together. Jesus, we, we see in the, in the Gospels, he constantly refers to his people as sheep. And what does he say? As sheep, I am sending you into the midst of wolves. It is dangerous territory, our mission. Our mission is not easy, it is not safe, it is dangerous. The wolves are all types of different people. We see what Jesus describes later on as the kind of danger we are being sent into, but it is first and foremost, he says, the, the wolves we see constantly described as the religious folk, which is awesome. Right, the, the false prophets of the time, the people that are holier than thou, the people that think they have it all together. These are the first type of wolves. But then, as we'll see in a second, that it's not just them, but also anybody who comes against the mission of Jesus and tries to stop the gospel from being proclaimed. And then he says, though, you have to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. What does that mean? It meant that you have to have the practical wisdom that is associated with snakes, right? Snakes were always seen as very wise and cunning, almost to a bad thing, right? Even in scripture, we see snakes are constantly referred to as the enemy, as the devil, as the, the snake was the serpent in Genesis, was the one that spoke to Eve to cause her to sin against God. But snakes were seen as wise and cunning, but also we need to not only have their wisdom and their cunning but the behavioral innocence of sheep that is associated with them. And what happens if you only have one or the other, there is an imbalance in your witness, is what Jesus is saying. One author put it this way. You can read the quote on the screen. Without innocence, the keenness of the snake is crafty, a devious menace. Without keenness, the innocence of a dove is naive. Helplessly gullible. So God does not want us to go on our mission, just, just go out there and die. That's not what he's telling us. Like, you, you just go out there and suffer and, and enjoy it. That's what's going to happen. But he wants us to be wise. But if we are only one or the other, if we are only wise or we only innocent, then there's imbalance in our mission. 
And so what does it look like to go out and do mission in an unhealthy or unwise way? Well, somebody um, at one, I preached on the mission of God once and somebody had come up to me after and they said, guess what? I, I've taken what you said and I'm doing it. And I was like, great, what, what does that look like? I go to my children's hangouts and I tell them they're all going to hell and I hand them tracts about Jesus so that they can repent of their sins. I was just like, oh man, you got that from my message? I got to change how I'm preaching on this. <laughs> right? That is, that is going out in a way that is unwise. Right? We, we don't just forsake the, our, our wisdom as humans and the wisdom of God. But when we do these things, when we go out on mission, we think of ways, how can this be productive? How do I not add stumbling blocks? How do I not add barriers for other people in the way? So a parent going to your kid's gathering and telling all of your kid's friends that they're going to go to hell and then handing them out chick tracks, not the way to do it. That just does not work. That is an unwise way. Right? And so, but also we cannot go out just as sheep going out to the slaughter and in ways that are just gullible. If we go out as just sheep and just like always innocent but never wise, then what will happen is Right? We'll, just, we'll just be two-stepped all over the place. I've seen people taken advantage of, manipulated. Just their, their innocence, other people can smell that. And what happens is you are a sheep among a wolf. And in those instances, sometimes the church gets destroyed and gets broken apart because the wolves can come in and smell the innocence of the sheep and then devour and so we're not trying to go out and be manipulative either. This is not a bait and switch to people. Right? A lot of times the gospel message can be a bait and switch where we promise everybody roses and dandies for the rest of their life. And the eternal sunshine. And then they experience the gospel, they get saved, and the enemy comes against them. And they realize, man, life was could have been easier without me coming to Christ. And so Jesus says this, that we have to have this dual understanding about our witness, that we cannot be gullible and we cannot just be crafty. We can't just be manipulative. And so we put wisdom, practical wisdom and innocence together, and this forms the witness of people. And what is he sending us into? It says in verse 17, Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. He says first to his people, first you're going to be beaten by your own people. 
the Jews. They're going to be dragged into the synagogues. You're going to be beaten and flogged by your own people. And we see this is a very literal prophecy in Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 5 and Acts chapter 16. We see the apostles dragged into the, the Sanhedrin, the, the synagogues, and they are beaten and told, never share this gospel again. We see them locked up by the Jewish people for sharing the gospel. But he says it's not only going to be the Jewish people that are going to do this. The Gentiles are going to do it as well. You're going to be dragged in front of governors and kings for my sake. And if you read the story of Paul, this is little. This is very literal. I mean, Jesus himself was brought in before Pontius Pilate. Paul got taken before Paulus, Felix, Festus, and even the emperor of Rome, Nero, heard the case of Paul so that he can preach the gospel. Right? We, we talked about what it means to give up your right. What about giving up your right to comfort and not being beaten unjustly so that you can preach to the emperor of Rome? Whew, it's powerful. Jesus says these things are going to happen. You will receive this type of persecution, but it will open doors for you to preach the gospel that is not going to necessarily be open otherwise. And if you read the history of Rome and of the church over the next 200 years, you see that the church was systematically persecuted and martyred. There used to be, before the opening games at chariot races, what they would do is they would bring in Christians that were caught and they would burn them alive as part of the sport and the game to start the ceremony of the games. They would kill them in a gladiator-type arena before animals, they would be ripped alive in front of everybody as sport to say, these are the Christians. Is They wanted to make a statement, do not become a Christian. But for the first 200 years, the entire Roman Empire was turned upside down until Emperor Constantine became a Christian himself and outlawed the persecution of Christians for good. And it's... And Jesus then goes on. It's not just these random people that are going to persecute you. It's not just these people that you don't know. It's not just the Jews and the Gentiles. But it's going to be your very own family will turn against you. Verse 21 and 22, Jesus says it's your brother, your father, your child will turn against you and turn you in for your beliefs. The Roman persecution became so strong that this is literally what would happen. That a child would find out that their parent converted and turn them into the authorities. A father would find out his children converted and turn them in. It was very similar in history to what happened in the Holocaust where people started turning each other in and spying on each other. Or the times of communism and the Cold War where people would turn on neighbors and spy on one another. And this is what happened in the early church that Jesus said this you are going to be despised that even your own family may turn against you. Be prepared. It might be your brother. It might be your sister. It might be your father. It might be your mother. It might be your child that will turn against you. And if we think that this is something that only happened back then, it's actually something that still happens today. There are people that when they join the mission of God, when they receive baptism... They are excommunicated from, excommunicated from their families, and many times, even worse, 
we see that they are killed for their faith. I mean, if you read the news about what happens in the Middle East or what happens in Egypt with the Coptic Christians, we see that martyrdom is a very real, is, is a reality today. It is not something that we talk about that happened back then, but it is something that happens today to the Christian church at large, globally. That I've met people that when they were baptized, their family kicked them out and said that they were dead to them. There are families that will hold funerals for their either parents or their children that are still alive because they have been baptized in the faith. And that is their way of saying that they are forevermore dead to the family. That we, you are no longer accepted here. And they literally hold a funeral for that person to signify their death to the family. And Jesus says, he leaves them with this. He doesn't say, I am not beyond persecution. I am not beyond everything I'm telling you. He says in verse 24, a disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? Jesus is saying, look at what they have already said to me. They have basically, they have Beelzebul was another name for Baal, which was one of the gods of that land back in the day for the Canaanites. And Baal was basically considered a demon or one of the lords of the demons. And so Jesus is saying, they've already called me one of the lords of demons. Right? He hasn't even come to the cross yet. He hasn't come to being murdered falsely. He hasn't come to being flogged and beat and taken advantage of. He's taken his clothes and left there to die. He hasn't even gotten to that. But he said, look at what they have said to me. How much more will they malign your name? He says, the servant is not greater than his master. Meaning, if this has happened to me, it's going to happen to you because you are not greater than me. All right, I am not able to escape this. You are not going to be able to escape this. We have to understand, as a church, the cost of witness. Right? This is why it is such a deep celebration when somebody does come to know Jesus. is because the cost of this witness is high. And Jesus is laying that out at the very beginning. He does not bait and switch anybody. This is not something like, you know, he told them, go out, have a good time, it's going to be great. And they came back beaten up, battered, and... And just in, in, in bad repair. And he was like, oh, yeah, I forgot to mention. No, he lets them know very upfront, this is going to happen. And so we talk about mission. We have to talk about the persecution that is going to come with it. That the, it, it, we do not share the gospel at no cost to ourselves. But there is going to be a cost. Things will not always go right when we are on mission. In fact, I believe things will start going wrong on purpose. It will be easy to give up and say, I lost friends, right? This is something I can say in my life ever, all throughout high school to my adult life till now, I have lost friends for the mission. Where people have either said, you know what, you're a Christian and I don't want to hear that anymore so we can't hang out. Or they don't like hanging out with me because they know I'm a Christian and they don't want to be, they don't want to be convicted when I'm hanging out with them. 
right? I have been rejected. We have to be at a place that says, you know what? I am willing to lose for this. The mission is that important. We have to be willing and understanding that when we go on mission, that there will be hardship that comes with it. Jesus said it. If, they're gonna, if they do it to me, if he is the example, being crucified, being beaten, being spit on, having his clothes gambled for, if he is the example, how much more will it happen to his servants? But Jesus, he says, don't lose heart over this. You have to understand the cost. You have to understand that this is, this is going to cost you something in your own life. This is maybe going to cost you friendships. Maybe going to cost you family. Maybe going to cost you something at work. Maybe it's going to cost you something financially. Maybe it's going to cost you something personally. Maybe this is not going to be easy. It may cost you something in your health. It may cost you something in your comfort. This is not free. This is not something that is going to be easy. Expect this to come. He doesn't say if persecution comes. He says when it comes. Because guess what? It's coming. And if you have been living a life of comfort, if you've been living a life of no cost, then ask yourself, have I been on mission? If you haven't experienced this type of thing in your life, ask yourself, have I truly been sharing the good news with people? Have I joined God in this mission where I can not only join him in his joy, but join him in his fellowship of suffering? Have I truly joined him in his mission? But Jesus says, don't lose heart. Do not fear these things. If you're listening to this and thinking, God, why the heck would I ever want to be on mission? Which, come on, we're human. Probably every single person here is thinking this at this point. Why would I ever want to do this, Justin, if it may mean my family, if it may mean my friendships, if it may mean even my job sometimes. I've seen that happen. If it may mean my, my, the, the things that are close to me. If it's going to cost me a lot, why would I ever want to do this? And Jesus, he gives three reasons why we should not fear. He says, do not fear. The first one, he says, is that the kingdom is no longer hidden. Jesus, when he was talking in the beginning, he constantly said, it's not my time yet. Don't go and talk to people about this. Don't go and share this. Make sure you keep it quiet. Make sure you're not talking. But he's saying that it is going to no longer be like that. One day... You're going to be able to explain the things that I've explained to you. And everybody that thought you were crazy is telling the disciples is no longer going to see that you're crazy because all of it will be revealed. And when that happens, I want you to go onto the rooftops and proclaim it. This was a very real thing he was telling the disciples because the disciples that were following him at this point, I mean, their religious leaders thought they were crazy. They thought they were insane. Why are you following this man? You know, to them, he, he broke the Sabbath. He was saying crazy things like he was God. He was acting like a prophet. He was breaking the rules, making it uneasy for everybody. Why are you with this man? He's saying, don't worry, everything is going to be revealed. And when it is revealed, this is how you react to that. Go onto the rooftops 
and proclaim. So back then what would happen when there was a public declaration from the government or you know, some official announcement that everybody needed to hear, they would literally go stand on a rooftop so that everybody could hear and they would declare the proclamation. So Jesus is saying, when it is time, I want you to go onto the rooftop and declare the proclamation to everybody that the king has risen. That the good news of the kingdom of God is here. That liberty has been set to the captives. That there is now a savior that has come for them. Everything he says I have revealed to you, you will be able to reveal to others. The second reason not to fear, he tells them, is simply that there is somebody greater to fear. Jesus says you fear these people, you fear them not liking you, you fear them hating you. What can they do? What is the worst that they can possibly do? The worst that somebody can possibly do, another human being can do to you, the very worst of it is that they can kill your body. So this is a very logical argument from Jesus. Basically saying that doesn't matter. The body is temporary. If that is the worst thing somebody can do, if you can go through every scenario that can happen in your life, if you go on mission, the very end of that line of, of bad things that can happen is death. Mortal body is gone. And Jesus says, if you think that is to fear, guess what? Do not fear that because I will tell you something to fear. And it is not the killing of your body. He says, fear the one who can kill your soul. Fear the one that after your body is gone, the one that can send your soul into hell. Because that, my friend, is eternity. It is not the, as the Bible says, the, uh, the piece of grass that is here one day and then withers and burns up in the fire the next. That is our life in the bucket of time in eternity. It says, do not fear what somebody can do to your body in an instant, but fear this. Fear what God can do to the soul. That, that is true fear. That should truly say, you know what, when I'm putting things into perspective, when I'm saying, you know, if this is the worst that they can do and this is the worst that God can do, guess what, I'm staying on the side of, yeah, this is worse. This is way worse than what anybody can do. And so I will fear him. What, your, your boss can fire you? Fine. Your neighbor can gossip about you? Okay. Your family can cut you off? Okay, those are all things that may instill anxiety in us, may instill fear, but the true fear should come from being disobedient to the one who is the owner of your soul. That is the true fear that should lie in us, greater than any fear that a person can do to us, something that they can do that is only temporary but not eternal. The third thing that Jesus says, and I love this reason, because it's kind of like he just kind of spanked us and then he, he caresses us on this one. He says, do not fear because there is a God who cares about you. And he cares about us more than we know. Let's read verses 29 to 31 again. 
says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So this is what Jesus is saying. He says, how cheap is a sparrow, a little bird? Get a couple of sparrows for a penny. It's pretty worthless at the end of the day. But he says, not even those little sparrows that are worth a penny can die without the acknowledgement of God. Not even them. And then he says, do you know that God knows how many hairs are on your head? Do you know that God knows more about you than you know about you? Right? My, my hairs are going away little by little on my head, but God still knows how many hairs are on my head. Right? He knows how much I consist of. He knows the little details about myself that I have never even bothered to learn about myself. Because they seem so insignificant and minute. But even, he says, God knows how many hairs. And he's making a point that if not even the sparrow that is worthless can die without God acknowledging it. And God even knows how many hairs are on your head. Then we have to understand something. Even if we are walking into persecution, even if we are walking into a deadly situation, that God is with us. And ultimately, we should never fear when we are on mission because God deeply cares about his children. If he cares so much about the worthless sparrow, how much would he care about his sons and daughters? That he even knows how many hairs that you have on your head. We are worth so much more than the sparrow. And look how much God looks after them. They are fed, they are clothed, they are housed, and they are Cheap in human perspective. But what about us? His children, his sons and his daughters. How much more will he watch over us? How much more will he care for us? So Jesus says, do not worry. Do not fear doing this. Because even though hardship may come, even though persecution may come, know that your Father in heaven is watching over you and caring for you and loves you more than you could even love yourself. More than you can even imagine someone caring for you. Guess what? He cares. And so ultimately, do not fear because God is with you. And he cares for you. And he loves you. And anything that you are in, you are in not alone, but you are in it with him. And he is guiding you. And he is, is covering you. And he is protecting you. He is with you to the ends of the earth, Jesus says. Behold, I am with you. Why? Because he is the one that is sending us as sheep amongst wolves. 
Whatever hardship you will ever find yourself in, know that God is there. He is watching. And he knows what is best for you. And he knows what is best for his children. We cannot be fooled. Being on mission will not always be fun. And it will always lead to hardship. But the reward is greater than anything that we can ask. And this is, this is the motivational nugget right at the end that Jesus says in verse 32 and 33. He says, so everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. When the time comes, no matter how you get there, when you are standing before God in judgment, you will have one chance, and it will not be your merits, it will not be your life, it will not be what you have done, it will be who acknowledges you before the throne of God. And Jesus says, if you want my acknowledgement before God who is in heaven, then acknowledge me here on earth. And what will happen is when you stand before the judgment room, when your life is put before you, every dirty deed, every dirty thought, everything that you have done wrong on display before the righteous and holy Father. There is only one person who can save you in that moment. And he will look and he will say, not were you good or were you bad. He will ask, have you acknowledged me before people? And if that answer is yes, Jesus will welcome you in to the kingdom, eternity, where there is no more weeping, where there is no more sorrow, where the soul will live in everlasting joy and glory and worship of God the Father. So do not fear. Persecution will come. It may be the authorities, it may be our friends, it may be our family, it may be our workplaces. We do it wise and we do it innocently. But we know this, that when we follow Jesus' words and we obey him and we acknowledge him before people, that no matter what happens to us, the ultimate thing is what happens when I stand in judgment before God. At that moment, your money won't save you. At that moment, your friendships won't save you. At that moment, your family won't save you. Your job won't save you. The only thing that will save you is your confession before men. And if you have been a proclaimer of the good news and a believer of Jesus Christ, then what will happen is you will receive the eternal and ultimate reward which all the sorrow, all the pain, all the persecution that you experienced here on earth will be a crown of glory for you in heaven for the sake of Jesus Christ. Can you stand with me? Jesus, 
When the time comes, Jesus, I pray that we would be people that acknowledge you before others. That we would be people, God, that know who is truly to fear. Lord, right now, that anxiety and worry about friendships, about family, about job, about life, Lord, about the cost, that it would go in the presence of God. What I want to do is when we, we're going to pray for people during worship and some of the leaders will join me up here to stand. And I just sense that some of you today may for the first time may want to acknowledge Jesus and receive his salvation and say, Jesus, I believe in you. I'm going to follow you today. It may be the first time that you experience the salvation of Jesus, of believing in the good news and being on mission with him. And we want to welcome you today into the family. Because you may lose family, you may lose friends, you may lose different things about your life. But what you gain today will be a family who loves you and a God who will save you. And so at any point during worship, if you say, you know what, I want to receive Jesus today as my Lord and Savior, I would love to pray with you today. Come up and pray with us at any point during worship. If you want to receive prayer for anything else today, we welcome you to come up and pray with us. That we can believe God with you and pray his mercy and his grace and his power over your life. Amen. Let us worship. Is to be known for love of Christ. To build his church to love his bride. And make his name known far and wide. For this cause I live. For this cause I die. I surrender for the cause of Christ. All
Cheers. 